Blog Talk Radio. You are listening live to Aquatic Wetline Radio Show with your host, the Aquatic Man himself, Aqua Alex. Aquatic Wetline is a one-stop radio show for everything freshwater. Cichlids, catfish, oddballs, flakos, and much more. Plus, we will be discussing saltwater and reptiles. Aquatic Wetline is your original fish keeper podcast that started it all for the fish keepers. What is on the aquatic discussion tonight? Let's dive down into the Aquatic Wetline headquarters and find out. Here's your host, Aqua Alex. Take it away, Alex. Aquatic Wetline is brought to you by Akari Tales USA. School of Fish, Inc., Fish Frenzy Tropical Fish, and Blue View Aquatic. Don't forget to head to your local fish store or pet shop to pick up some Hikari products, such as our famous Hikari Bio Pure Frozen Foods, which include delicious treats such as bloodworms, mysis shrimp, brine shrimp, and more. If you live in Western Massachusetts, be sure to stop by School of Fish, Inc. and Fish Frenzy Tropical Fish for the finest quality in freshwater and saltwater livestock, fish tanks, and more. Now, let's get on with the podcast. Remember, you can download today's podcast via iTunes or by simply going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash aquahouse. Now, aquahouse. Take it away. Do you want to ask a question okay. live on the Fish Keeper United question and answer? Do you want to pick Aqua Alex's brain with freshwater or saltwater fish questions? Then call in with your questions. Alex would love to answer your call. So have questions on freshwater and saltwater fish? Want to be a part of today's Q&A? Call 347-989-8142-DIAL-1. That's 347-989-8142-DIAL-1. Let your question be answered and let your voice be heard. 347-989-8142 right now. about that. 
Now, today's show is for you, the fish keepers. The Aquatic Wetline is always hosted by a fish keeper for fish keepers, but today this show is exclusively for you, the fish keepers. Today we are doing our first episode of Fish Keepers Question and Answer of 2015. This is going to be the January 2015 Q&A, and I know it's kind of odd that I'm doing the January Q&A on the last day of January, but this is the January 2015, uh, 2015 Q&A, and this is also the first Q&A of 2015. So I am very excited about that. We're going to have lots of great Q&As in 2015, and I'm happy to say that January starts this great Q&A. So I like doing fish keepers Q&As here on the aquatic wetline. As you guys noticed in the past, I've done many of them in 2014. Matter of fact, my last Q&A, which was back in December, had 395 archive listens. So I'm, I'm hoping that I can replicate that on this month's Q&A. All righty. So you guys are going to enjoy today's episode of the Aquatic Wetline as it's my next installment of Fish Keepers Q&A and the first of 2015 and the, the one for January of this year. So today, I'm actually going to be answering some emailed questions that I got emailed to me. I've got about 10 or 11 questions that were emailed to me. Some of them are way back in November and December, and some of them were around New Year's Eve and such. But I'm going to answer some emailed questions. I'll answer some live questions. I'll answer some questions from social media on Twitter and some Facebook fish groups. And I'll discuss how to keep fish safe during snowstorms and what to do during a power outage. Because believe it or not, New England is supposed to be hit by more snow on Monday. And I want us to make sure that we're safe and sound and our fish are safe and sound during power outage in case we do get a power outage on Monday. So that is what we're talking about tonight on the Aquatic Wetline. A ton of questions and a ton of answers, plus some knowledge for you people who live in weather climates and how you can avoid losing fish in the winter. All right? I can guarantee you this will be a show that you will enjoy. Now, this would not be a question and answer without any live callers. So I know I'm going to have at least a couple of callers on the aquatic wetline tonight. So right now I'm taking the time to invite all of my live listeners to go ahead and call in. The number to call in is one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. Go ahead and call in. You can ask any fish questions you have, any tropical fish questions you have, or enter the questions that I'm going to answer tonight. Yes, you can also answer my emailed questions if you like. That's one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. All right, so I will we keep an eye on the studio and I look forward to seeing your call. One three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. However, if you cannot call in tonight because you don't have a phone or something of that scenario, you can ask a question live on Twitter. 
I am accepting live Q&As on Twitter as well. So right now, log on to your Twitter account and tweet me at Alex Cardinelli1, capital A in Alex and capital C in Cardinelli. So tweet your question to at Alex Cardinelli1, and Cardinelli is spelled Cardinelli E at the end. So if you can't call in live, go ahead and tweet your questions on Twitter to at Alex Cardinelli1, and I've got my Twitter page open, so I'll see any tweets that come to me. So again, you can call us any questions or tweet to me at Alex Cardinelli1 and 1347-989-8142. And we've actually got our first caller of the evening. You're now live on the Aquatic Wetlines Fish Keepers Q&A. And thank you so much for calling in. Yes, how are you doing, Oscar, Alex? I'm doing great. How are you tonight, sir? Not bad. I just had a couple questions for you, if you don't mind. Sure, not a problem at all. Go ahead and ask your wonderful questions. Okay, my first question is, have you ever capped? Threadfin Geophagus, and what tank size would you recommend for them? Oh, Threadfin Geophagus, a very nice fish. And, yes, I've actually kept a Threadfin Geophagus a couple of years ago. I've had them for a few months. They're actually a very nice fish. Now, for the Threadfin Geophagus, I would personally recommend a 55-gallon aquarium and working your way up to a 125-gallon aquarium. So it's got a wide range of tank sizes, in my opinion, for the Threadfin Geophagus from a 55-gallon aquarium to a 125-gallon aquarium. The Threadfin Geophagus is actually a very beautiful fish. It's got a lot of color, and its fins are very nice, and you can actually keep them in groups if you wanted to. They're one of the only cichlids that you can actually go out and buy three or four or five of and keep them in peaceful community. That was an awesome answer. And my second question is where it gets controversial. What is your thought on hybrids, and would you ever own one, like parrot, cichlids, or flower horns, or something like that? Great question, and I get that, I get that question a lot from some of my listeners and some regular fish keepers. Do I like hybrids? Well, I'm actually kind of against hybrids. I don't believe in man-made fish. I'm more about the natural fish, fish that could actually go out in the wild and catch. I like the wild-caught Amazonian fish and things like that. So uh, I don't really dislike hybrid fish. I'm just against them. I don't support man-made fish. Um, but I have kept a couple of blood parrots in the past, Um I find with them they're kind of hard to feed, and they get aggressive to other fish, but they can't really harm other fish. But once they start a fight with, let's say, a, a dovi or a managuensin, they're going to get their asses handed to them. So I really don't like blood parrots, or I don't like flower horns either. Um, I'm not a big fan of hybrids, but I know they get a lot of attention in the aquarium hobby, and I know that a lot of people enjoy them, so I'm not going to condemn the hybrid fish. I just would never keep them again in my aquarium, but I know they're very popular. So to each their own, as uh, some people would say, but I just don't like the hybrids. Hey, awesome answer, and I got one more if that's all right with you. Sure, sounds great. And my last question is, would you ever keep a black ghost knife or any other knife fish with Oscars? Is that a possible thing to do? 
Yes, yes, you got to keep any kind of knife fish with uh, an Oscar as long as the knife fish will get big because we know Oscars will eat any little knife fish. So you could actually keep a black ghost knife, you can keep a clown knife, um, and some other larger growing knife species with an Oscar. I personally am thinking about getting either a black ghost knife or a clown knife when my bigger tank comes in to go in with my Oscars. I actually like... I actually like and love the Black Ghost Knife and Clown Knife. I actually like the Royal Clown Knife, too. So I will be getting a knife fish to go in with my Oscars at some point. So I'm very glad you brought that up. I actually want a Black Ghost Knife now. Awesome. Is the Black Ghost Knife, is their growth rate pretty slow? Um, I've had a couple before, and it, it depends on the individual fish. I've had one that I got at three inches, and in a couple months he was about six inches, and then I had one that I got about four inches, and, and it took him like seven, eight, nine months to grow, to grow another inch. So I'd say it depends on individual specimen. But they do have kind of a slow growth rate, but not too bad like some of the other nice species out there. Okay, well, I'll let you get back to your awesome show. Go Seahawks. <laughs> Thank you for your call. Let's go Patriots. Have a good night, Alex. You too, Jeff. And if you have any more questions, feel free to call in or tweet me on Twitter. Okay. Awesome. So that was a great start to the show. I really do enjoy getting live callers. So if you have questions, you can go ahead and call in. 1-347-989-8142. So I'm going to go ahead and answer my emailed questions now. I've got, let's see here, I've got uh, 10 emailed questions that I'm going to go ahead and answer. So the first question comes from Vincent LaRocca, and he says, I just rescued a giant goldfish and put it in my tank, and my angelfish is chasing him all over the place. Any thoughts? Well, Vincent, I hope you're going to like my answer, but I honestly would not put a goldfish in a tank with freshwater angelfish. One reason being, goldfish are known to carry parasites and diseases, and those parasites and diseases could um, attack your angelfish and make your angelfish very sick. And secondly, I would not put goldfish in a tank with angelfish because goldfish prefer cooler water and angelfish prefer warmer water. And let's keep in mind that goldfish come from Asia and angelfish come from South America and the Amazon. And I'm actually not a big fan of mixing fish from all over the world in an aquarium because in the wild, an angelfish would never see a goldfish. And in the wild, the goldfish will never see an angelfish. And they just don't belong together. So my thoughts on this is I'd bring the giant goldfish back to the local fish store so you can get some store credit and buy something else to go in with your angelfish because I don't see anything but problems in keeping that goldfish with your angelfish because it's either going to die because you've got a heater in there or it's going to get sick and make your angelfish sick and you can lose your angelfish. We all know goldfish are a dime a dozen. You can actually buy goldfish for 10 cents. Um, when they're juveniles, but angelfish are more expensive, and I think the angelfish is more worthy than the goldfish is. So if you really love your angelfish, you would rehome 
the goldfish. But I want to say thank you for your question, and that's my honest thoughts. So hopefully you liked my answer to your email. But thank you for sending in your awesome email, and I enjoyed answering that one. All right. Well, the next question comes from Vincent Araka again, and Vincent wants to know, I have a Pleco that seems a bit sluggish. Any thoughts? Well, if your Pleco is a common Plecostomus, it seems to be very common for large Plecos to be um, very sluggish and tired and not move around. It is commonplace for Plecos just to hang on the side of a glass all day or hide in a rock or hide in driftwood. So I would not be too worried if you notice your pleco is not as active as it used to be when it was juvenile. I think I remember you telling me a while back that you raised your pleco from 2 inches back in 2011, I believe, and now you said he's about 18. Um, so if he's that big, he's probably not going to be as active as a juvenile pleco. And plecos, as they mature, start to um, become less and less active. And that's one of the reasons that... Not too many people are into plecos anymore because they're not as active as they are as juveniles when they mature, and they stop eating algae and just start eating vegetables, and they start pooping a lot more than juveniles. So I would not worry if your pleco is not too active. Plecos aren't active fish by any means of imagination, but they are still a nice fish, and I still like pleco. So thank you, Vincent, for your two wonderful questions, and I hope you enjoyed my answers. The third question comes from Joshua Warren, and he actually posted this on my Facebook group, Aquatic Wetline Radio Fan Group. If you have to use a toe as a backup toe, oh, excuse me, if you have to use a toe as a backup tank, what kind of a toe would you use? Well, if I were to use a tote as a backup tank, I would certainly go for the biggest tote that I could possibly find. I would personally use a Rubbermaid um, tote where you can actually go to Walmart and buy a Rubbermaid tote. I'd go for the biggest one. I'm not really sure how big the biggest one is. I know it's it's like um, probably three, three and a half, four feet in length. I don't know how many inches it is or or what exactly the size is. I know it's about three and a half to four feet big. And at Walmart, it's like uh, $17 to $20, but it's really big. If you were to use that as a fish tank, I'd say use the three and a half, four foot one. Add a battery-operated air pump, battery-operated filter, sponge filter, and you'd be good to go. Now, I want to keep fish too long in a tote because it's not like a fish tank, and I don't think the fish will actually feel comfortable in there because they don't really have that much swimming space. But um, you still, it, it is a good thing to use for, like, you're traveling, you're moving out of state to another state. It is good for 24 to 48-hour housing, but that's about it. I wouldn't house them any longer than 24 to maybe 72 hours in a tow because of the battery-operated air pump and the battery-operated sponge filter or whatever whatever you're using. So you could always go out and buy a separate aquarium to use. It doesn't matter if you buy a 20-gallon aquarium or a 30-gallon aquarium. I only use totes to transport fish. 
So I hope that I answered my question, and I hope, or excuse me, <laughs> how can I hope that I answered my question? I hope that I answered your question, and I hope you enjoyed my answer to that question. I had to think a bit for that question because I didn't prepare my answer, so hopefully you enjoyed my answer. All right. The next question comes from a good friend of mine, Matthew Ransom, from my Oscar Cichlid group on Facebook. By the way, that's called Oscar Cichlid Keepers on Facebook. If you're an Oscar head like myself and you want to keep Oscars. Anyways, Matthew Ransom um, asked me, can you keep Oscar Cichlids in a 75-gallon aquarium? Well, in my honest opinion, I honestly think you could keep one Oscar for life in a 75-gallon aquarium. Um, I know in the past I have kept two Oscars in a 75-gallon aquarium with some tank mates, but I honestly feel that a 75-gallon aquarium is fine for just one adult Oscar with some smaller tank mates like maybe convicts or some sort of smaller, medium-sized schooling fish and maybe some kind of catfish. So, yes, you can keep an Oscar cichlid in a 75-gallon tank. Just one, though. If you want to do two or more, I'd say go with a 125, a 150, or a 180. And Oscars are definitely perhaps one of the best fish to keep if you're into larger-sized fish. All right. The fifth question is about Oscars again. This one comes from Martin Larry Harrison. Hi, Alex. I'm thinking of starting with Oscars. Any advice would be much appreciated. Going to do a bit of research first, looking at getting a four- to five-foot fish tank. I have kept Malawi for the last six years, so I do know a bit about the aquarium hobby. But could you help me out with Oscar information? It is greatly appreciated. Well, Martin, um, Oscars are definitely nothing compared to Malawi's in terms of aggressiveness. The Oscars won't be as aggressive as Malawi, so you're kind of stepping into medium to larger size, semi-aggressive um, cichlids. Now, Oscars are labeled as semi-aggressive because they will eat smaller fish, and they will kind of chase after the peaceful fish, but they're not as aggressive as the Malawi cichlids are. Now, with Oscars, they're pretty much very simple to take care of. I would provide at least a 75-gallon aquarium for one or up to a five-, six-foot tank for two, and I would provide them with a quality diet, which would include meats, a little bit of vegetable batter, because in the wild they will eat vegetables, and you could also feed live crayfish and some live invertebrates. Stay away from the live feeder goldfish because, as we all know, the goldfish carry diseases and things of that nature. But Oscars will eat almost anything, if not the kitchen sink in itself, because Oscars will always eat and they're always hungry. Now, the next advice I'd give you for Oscars is to over-filter your aquarium. Over-filter is key when keeping Oscars because Oscars eat a lot and they produce a lot of waste. Now, Oscars do get pretty big. They get to be about 12 to 16 inches 
when full grown, and they are going to produce even more waste as they grow. So over filter, and when I say over filter, I mean to over filter your tank by having more filter ration than you need. For example, if you have a 75-gallon aquarium, you should have at least 150 gallons worth of filtration in your aquarium. And the final advice I can give you for Oscars is to keep their water parameters intact. They come from the Amazon, so they, they need a pH that is neutral, 7.0 to 7.4, ammonia at zero, and do plenty of water changes, and you should be good to go. Oscars are very simple to take care of, and they're a very attractive fish, and a lot of people like Oscars because of their personality, and I personally think you're going to enjoy Oscars as well. Martin, so I think this is probably the best decision you made by jumping over to the Oscar side of the aquarium hobby. And tank mates for your Oscars could be anything from Silver Dollars to Geophagus to Severum to maybe some Angelfish to Cestivums to whatever you want. Any larger or medium sized growing South American cichlids, kerosens, or catfish. So thank you, Martin, for that wonderful question, and I hope you enjoyed my answer. All right. Well, this sixth question comes from, an, uh, comes from an unknown name, and this person wants to know, what fish do you think aren't good for beginners? Great question. The first fish I'd say that is not good for beginners would be the discus fish. And I know I've got a friend that is very big into promoting discus, and he's big into promoting that discus are good for beginners, but I have my own opinion in that matter, and I feel that discus aren't really suited for beginners because a beginner could not afford to purchase discus and because discus require really, really clean water and they have specific water needs. And they're very picky about tank mate and such. Any little thing can scare them and kill them. So the first fish I would say is not good for beginners would be discus. Second would be red tail catfish due to their size. Third, of course, would be the famous paku, again, due to their size. And fourth would be freshwater stingrays. They're like discus. They're very sensitive to water parameters, and they aren't good for beginners as well and i think those are the top four fish that i think aren't good for beginners and thank you for your question and i hope you liked my answer all right this next question comes from lauren and lauren has a wonderful question for us is it true that mollies can survive in salt water and if so can i keep them with my clownfish and damsels Yes, Lauren, it is true, mollies can survive in salt water. Mollies come from both freshwater and salt water. Mollies naturally come from brackish water, and they live in the brackish water in the wild. However, in the aquarium hobby, they have both adapted to freshwater and saltwater environments. So you can keep mollies in a freshwater aquarium or a saltwater aquarium. Matter of fact, a lot of beginner saltwater hobbyists cycle their saltwater tank with either mollies or damsels or bulls. So mollies could be kept with your clownfish 
and damn souls. And I actually am thinking about getting a saltwater tank and having clownfish, damn souls, mollies, and a yellow watchman goby. I actually think mollies show more color in a saltwater aquarium than they do in a freshwater aquarium. And they seem to be more happier in a saltwater aquarium as they do in a freshwater aquarium, in my personal experience. And I see mollies at my local Petco in a saltwater aquarium. And that is because the manager of my local Petco is very big into what I call feeder fish. He likes the community fish. He likes the platies, the mollies, the sore tails, the guppies, the tetras, and some of the rams and stuff. Yes, my Petco oftentimes has German blue rams and gold rams and um, some smaller dwarf cichlids. And I know people down Petco. I know people aren't big supporters of Petco. I know people don't like Petco, but my Petco is pretty good. I actually talk a lot with the manager of my local Petco, and he is quite knowledgeable in the fish-keeping hobby. Even though he does like the community fish, he knows what he's doing in the hobby. And I, I feel good for the people that buy fish from my local Petco because then they know their fish is going to be safe. I have never had a health problem from this Petco, but I did have a health problem from local PetSmart up in Connecticut. But uh, my Pecos usually up here are pretty darn good. And if he does have ick in his tanks, he will not sell fish at all in the freshwater system. So that is great. So I have to say I respect this Peco. And I'll give them a shout-out. I'll give them a shout-out for the show. This is the Peco on Boston Road in Springfield, Massachusetts. So if anyone is listening from Western Mass, definitely go check out this Peco. You know, it's funny because I actually bought my albino Oscar and my tiger Oscar from Peco, and he was actually trying to prevent me from buying them until I got my bigger tank. And I've got to say, that is very respectable because not too many Pecos or PetSmarts would do that. And I told him I have to give you a high five for that because usually people would just sell um, – Oscars to anyone not knowing what size tanks they're going in. He actually cares for where his Oscars are going. And I had to prove to him that I am buying a bigger tank. I had to go on my phone and show him the email that I'm getting a 90 or a 125-gallon aquarium. But I really do respect that, and I think a lot of Petcos should start doing that. So I just wanted to tell you about uh, Petco a little bit. I, I figured I'd tell you about the Molly situation at Petco, and I figured I'd talk about my local Petco. So I saw Molly's at a Petco saltwater tank, and I was like, they can live in saltwater. And then he explained to me that Molly's come from brackish water naturally, but over the years they have been bred to survive in freshwater and saltwater. So, Lori, I hope this answered your question, and I hope you didn't mind me yakking about Pecco, but I really did enjoy sharing that story with you. And, yes, Lori, Molly's can live in both freshwater and saltwater. All right, this next question, the eighth question, is one that I'm really looking forward to answering, and it comes from Richard. I was at my local fish store today. I was looking for a good allergy eater for my Ambiuna tank. I was told to go with the Bushy Nose Pleco. However, I have a 180-gallon aquarium. 
I find the bushy nose pleco too small for a six foot tank. I do want a fancier kind of pleco, but I want a fancy pleco that would eat allergy. All my local fish store has in stock now is bushy nose, albino bushy nose, rubber lip, and a tiny, tiny, tiny common pleco. What would you suggest, Alex? I value your answer. Thank you, Richard, for that great question. Well, for a fancy allergy-eating pleco, I have four options that I'd give to you. First would be the pleco that your fish store does have in stock, and that would be the rubber lip pleco. I think those rubber lip plecos look very nice. They get pretty big, about six to eight inches from what I've heard the rubber lip pleco would get, slightly bigger than a bushy nose pleco, or maybe the same size of a bushy nose pleco, but there definitely are a cool pleco, and the rubber lip pleco will eat algae as well as vegetables and driftwood. The second kind of pleco you could get and could live in your 180-gallon aquarium for life is a pleco that I really enjoy and that I am currently going to be keeping, and that is the Gibby Pleco, also known as the Gibbiceps Pleco. And that one has really cool markings, and that is a Pleco that I know a lot of monster fish keepers like. It's also called the Sailfin Pleco because it does got a very cool sailfin. It's got some cool markings, and I love the Gibby Pleco. They get to be about 12 to 18 inches, so a little bit smaller than the common Placostomus, but still gets big enough for your six-foot tank, 12 to 18 inches. And the good thing about Gibby Plecos is they come in marble form, they come in albino form, and they come in chocolate form, which is a brown coloration. The third Pleco I would advise for you that would eat algae is my pleco that my good friend Mr. Brandon King, the King of Kings likes, and that is the Gold Spot Pleco. This is a pleco that gets pretty big as well, 12, 14 inches, and eats algae as well. It's related to the Common Pleco and the Gibby Pleco. And finally, a little pleco that doesn't get too big. It stays about 4 to 5 inches, but it has more color than a bristlenose pleco or a bushy-nose pleco. And this is an L106 orange seam pleco. And um, it is actually a very nice pleco, and it will eat algae like a king, almost like a 4-inch Otocat, the orange seam pleco. So you've got four great options of algae-eating plecos for your African cichlid tank. And all plecos will do fine in your algae-eating tank. Now, if you are into fancier plecos, you could also get a green phantom pleco, a royal pleco, a blue phantom pleco, or a mango pleco to add to your aquarium. And they will eat driftwood and meat and any leftover pellets from your African cichlids. So there is your pleco answer, and I hope you enjoyed it, uh, Richard, and thank you for answering. And answer, uh, excuse me, tongue twister there. Thank you for asking that question to me, Richard. I really did enjoy it. All right. Now moving on down to my next question. And this one comes from Bruno Lee. I have a really aggressive Managuentin cichlid and a Red Devil in a 125-gallon aquarium. They fight nonstop. What can I do to stop this? Well, first of all, 
I would never combine a Munich Winston cichlid or a Red Devil species. Never mind the fact I would never combine a Paracromus species with an Amphilophus species because Paracromus are aggressive in their own right and Amphilophus are very aggressive in their own right, respectively. So I would never combine any species of Paracromus with Amphilophus, whether it be a Dovi, a Minoquensin, or a Red Tiger Mordoquensin, or any other Paracromus species. You don't mix a Paracromus and an Amphilophus together, because if you do, then you're asking for a full-out war. It'll be World War Three between the Amphilophus and Paracromus. However, if you're bound and determined to keep a Minoquentin cichlid and a Red Devil cichlid together in a 125, I would try adding ditherfish. There is no guarantees that this is going to stop them fighting. It's only going to stop them fighting momentarily. They both probably ch chase and kill these ditherfish and then start to fight again. So if you were going with the ditherfish, I'd go with large tinfoil barbs, large silver dollars, and larger fast-moving fish, because the larger the fish, um, the harder it will be to kill. And the faster the fish, the harder it will be to catch them. But I really recommend you choose which one you want to keep, because if you don't, you're going to have problems with them having war. You could also add more fish to the tank because then whoever's starting the fight between the Manigwensen and the Red Devil will have more fish to single out and pick on than just the Red Devil. If I'm keeping aggressive cichlids, I won't just keep two of the aggressive cichlids in a tank because then I know they're going to fight each other. But then I would add five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten fish in the tank, and that will break up the fights because then you'll have three or maybe four fights a day and not just one fish is being singled out. But I'm sticking to my original roots. I would either get dither fish or rehome one of them and choose the best looking one that you want to keep. If it was me, I'd personally keep the Red Devil Cichlid. I'm a big fan of the Amphilophus. I think the male Amphilophus look awesome when they get their huge cock on their head. K-O-K. And, um,. A very nice cichlid. Matter of fact, I think red devils are better than flower horns and other hybrids. They are the natural cichlid with a natural KOK. -okay. So I would choose the red devil if I were you. But if you are prone to the Manaquensin, I'd keep the Manaquensin um, and rehome the red devil. Manaquensins can be nice as well. I like the golden colored. Um, but thank you, Bruno, for your question, and hope you enjoyed my answer, and hopefully they'll stop fighting, but there is no guarantees that if you add ditter fish, the fighting will stop. And my final emailed question comes from Charles Leonardo, and Charles wants to know, is it true that earthworms are beneficial to fish? If so, are earthworms from your lawn safe, or should I purchase them from Walmart or a fishing gear store? I actually think uh, my good friend, Cichlid Man Jeff, asked me this question one time on the aquatic wetline. But yes, it is true. Earthworms are very good for your fish. They provide a lot of nutrition and a lot of protein. I'd say feed all your fish earthworms. I've never seen a fish back down from earthworms, and I've never seen a fish not take earthworms. They would all eat 
um, earthworms. So, yes, earthworms are beneficial for your fish. Now, as Jeff Jeff pointed out a couple weeks ago, and I think it was my serum show, I would personally not use earthworms from your lawn because of all the chemicals and pesticides. So I would personally go out to the um, Walmart or your fishing gear store to buy your earthworms. But if you don't use chemicals or pesticides in your lawn or on your lawn, then I suppose you can use your earthworms from your lawn. All right. Thank you all for emailing your questions for January as early as December. Five of the ten questions I've got before Christmas and other five I've gotten before 2014 ended. So thank you guys for those wonderful questions. Now, if you'd like to email me a question for February, please email me your questions at aquaticwetline at outlook.com. That's aquaticwetline at outlook.com. So that was the email questions. Now, it's time for some live questions. Go ahead and call in or tweet your questions right now. Remember, one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two or Alice Cardinelli one on Twitter. Again, that is one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two or tweet your questions to at Alice Cardinelli one on Twitter. And capital A in Alex and capital C in um Cardinelli. Alright. Um so I've actually got a live call I mean excuse me, I've actually got a live Twitter message that I would um like to answer. This comes from my good friend Josh and Josh. Uh, excuse me, this actually comes from my good friend Jeff. Sorry about that because I just saw Josh enter my chat room. But um, this, come, this Twitter question comes from my good friend Jeff, and he wants to know: Do you recommend Fancy Plecos for beginners? And what's your top three favorite Fancy Plecos? Tough question on the Fancy Plecos for Beginners. Um, I would say yes and no to that, depending on the species of Fancy Pleco, because some beginners might not know that Plecos need to eat driftwood in order to in order to survive. Most Fancy Plecos, um, including the Panicoo species, need driftwood in order to survive, and I don't think a beginner would know that. A beginner would automatically assume that all Plecos eat allergy, um, but if a beginner did research and they did know that some Fancy Plecos would eat, out, would eat driftwood, then they could actually... Um, keep some fancy plecos. So it depends on the individual beginner. I would say if a beginner was interested in keeping fancy plecos, make sure you do your research and make sure that you know what kind of pleco you're going to be getting. And I hope that this pleco is something you're going to be taking care of because the plecos 
might not eat algae, and I don't want to see you um, lose a rare pleco because plecos do get expensive, especially for the fancier kinds. Now, my top three favorite fancy plecos, that's an easy question for me to answer. First would be green phantom pleco. Second would be mango pleco. And third would be the dual-eyed royal pleco L191. And thank you, Jeff, for that great question on Twitter. And I see we've got another live caller here on the Aquatic Wetline, so my second caller tonight. Hi, you're now live on the Aquatic Wetline Fishkeeper Q&A, and thank you so much for calling in. Hello? Hello? I'm here. Okay, thank you for calling in. Do you have any questions for me? Uh, how are you? I'm doing good, and how are you? Not too bad. That's good. I don't really have a question. I'm just saying what's up. This is the Angry Fish Man. I hate this hobby. Good job on the radio show. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, Angry Fishman, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, not too shabby. <laughs> I've I love seen your the numbers channel, by the way. It's a great channel. Hey, thank you. I thought I'd call in and say hello. So, I don't really have any questions. Awesome. I'm just uh, killing some time, I guess. It's awesome. it's awesome to hear from you. Would you like to plug yeah. your YouTube channel here? Um, no, I am. I, no, I'm all right. I don't have to. I just called to say hello. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you calling in. Thank you so much for taking the time to call in. Yeah, no problem. I'll say uh, hello to everybody who's listening. Hello, and I'll give everybody a, a roar. Roar, I hate this hobby. Bye bye. <laughs> All right, bye bye. <laughs> he's, he's a good guy. If you guys have a YouTube channel, go check him out, The Angry Fish Man on YouTube. He's got some wonderful uh, videos out there that'll have you laughing. So thank you, Angry Fish Man, for uh, calling into the show. That was wonderful. I really did enjoy that. All right. So. We're going to go ahead and uh, take our first commercial break of the night. So, coming up next on the Aquatic Wetline, I'm going to take some more live questions via Twitter and call-ins, and then I'll discuss top ten fish that are good for beginners, and we'll discuss power outages and what to do in the fish-keeping hobby for a power outage. So, remember, the number to call in is one three four seven. 989-8142, and my Twitter account is at AliceCardinelli1. We're back with more after a word from our sponsors, so definitely stick around. We've got more of this great Q&A to come. Hikari offers a wide selection of aquatic diets to help you and your fishy friend find success. With more than 137 years of aquatic experience, Hikari was the originator of species-specific diets long before others thought it was important or trendy, and the first to bring unique products to fish keepers like algae wafers, the world's first diet specifically formulated for Picosinus, micropellets, the world's first micro-coated aquatic diet for tropical fish, Saki Hikari, the world's first probiotic-enhanced diet for koi, goldfish, cichlid, and now turtles, and Biopure the world's cleanest and most nutrition-packed frozen and freeze-dried foods, industry trendsetters when they were first introduced. When you're looking for the best aquatic diets your hard-earned money can buy for your aquatic pets, 
look no further than Hikari. Your fish and your wallet will be forever grateful. School of Fish, Inc. offers everything an aquarium hobbyist in Western Massachusetts needs. We offer the best of livestock from freshwater to saltwater and everything in between. We also have the best corals and live rock. School of Fish, Inc. carries the best brands of fish food, medications, and equipment such as Hikari, Tetra, Marineland, API, and much more. Stop by and check us out today. School of Fish, Inc. located at 1865 Page Boulevard, Springfield, Massachusetts, and we can be reached at 413-543-1994. We're open Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, closed Tuesdays. Check out School of Fish, Inc. That's School of Fish, I-N-C on Facebook for exclusive deals, specials, and see what's new. Fish Frenzy Tropical Fish is a fish store located in South Hadley, Massachusetts. Fish Frenzy offers the finest in freshwater and saltwater livestock, aquarium equipment such as Marineland, Aquian, and Flaval, fish foods such as Hikari, Tetra, and more. Fish Frenzy has moved to a new location to get many more awesome fish in. Fish Frenzy has the cheapest prices in town for fish. Go check out at the court at Fish Frenzy and you will not be disappointed. Fish Frenzy is located at 14 Main Street in South Hadley, Massachusetts. You can reach at the court at Fish Frenzy at 413-536-7700. And at Fish Frenzy looks forward to serving you the Western Mass Fish Keepers. Fish Geeks is an online Facebook fish group that is dedicated to the aquarium hobby. We have thousands of members who all love this aquarium hobby. All of our members are a fish geek one way or another. If you are serious about this hobby and love fish, then come join our group on Facebook You Fish Geek. Type in the search bar on Facebook Fish Geeks and click join. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Do you need advice on planted tanks? Do you need advice on community tanks? Do you need advice on cichlids? Do you need advice on discuss? Well, get over to the IAA channel now! We can help you with planted tanks, saltwater tanks, community tanks, filtration, DIY, lighting, dosing, CO2, discus, angelfish, German blue rams, African cichlids, and any other community fish. Subscribe to the IAA channel today! Thank you, IAA! Dakota Aquatics Plus is the next best aquarium keeping show here on Blog Talk Radio. Your host of this show, Andrew will dive deep into the topics of freshwater and saltwater fish, reptiles, and other pets. Dakota Aquatics Plus is live every Saturday and is a show that you will enjoy. So check Andrew out. BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash Dakota Aquatics Plus.
Euphoria, a podcast about fish, all things fish and everything fish. Let William T. and his co-hosts dive deep into your tank and come up with a great fish species topic for a great show. Check out Aquatic Euphoria today for an enjoyable fish show. William T. and his co-hosts do it all. Salt water, fresh water, and yes, plants and even specials on other interesting topics. Surf over there, right after this wonderful show here on Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that William T. has a new podcast on Blog Talk Radio? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, kids. Teens and in-betweens. Epiphany is a podcast about revelations, sudden awarenesses and innuendos. William T. will discuss topic by topic, week by week or maybe day by day. You never know with William T. This podcast is controversial at best, interesting at least. Come join William T. at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash epiphany USA. Come hear what all the hype is about. William T. slam dunks his attitude with rants, political slurs about governmental blunders, world events and where this world is headed from a revelational point of view. See if this podcast don't grab your fancy. Come on. What are you waiting for? Come sit beside William T. and take part in a podcast that promises to be inviting, action-packed and just plain crazy at times. Come hear some senseless jargon and an attitude from the shrewd dude from South Carolina. The old man of mayhem, William T. Come on be brave and go there right now. Well, wait until this show is over first though. Choosing guitar accessories can be expensive and time-consuming, but it doesn't have to be. Jambox will deliver the necessities right to your front door. Jambox is great for players of any age and all experience levels. Try new brands, new products, and get your jam on. Order a Jambox today at www.jamboxcanada.ca. Hey, live listeners of the Aquatic Wetline, did you know you can call in live right now to ask any fish questions or join tonight's fish chat? Just simply dial 1-347-989-8142. You may ask any fish questions you might have or chat with us about tonight's subject. You can also ask our guests any questions you might have as well. So go ahead and call in 1-347-989-8142. Please go to a quiet location and turn off the speaker on your phone. Please wait until we see your call and bring you live. So go ahead and call in 1-347-989-8142. Give us a holla if you hear us. You are now tuned in to the one and only Fish Keeping Podcast on Blog Talk Radio that started it all. With over 100 episodes, the Aquatic Wetline has something for you. What is Alex going to discuss next? 
let's get back to the show to find out. Remember, you can call in anytime at 1-347-989-8142. Now, back to Aqua Alex. Do you want to ask a question live on the Facebook of United Question and Answer? Do you want to take Aqua Alex's brain with fresh water or salt water fish questions? Then call in with your questions. Alex would love to answer your call. So have questions on fresh water and salt water fish? Want to be a part of today's Q&A? Call 347-989-8142 dial 1. That's 347-989-8142, dial 1. Let your question be answered and let your voice be heard. 347-989-8142, right now. Here live on the Aquatic Wetline on this fine Super Saturday, just one day before the big game, Super Bowl 49, live tomorrow, and we're doing a very special Fish Keepers question and answer here on the Aquatic Wetline. Now, before commercial break, I went ahead and entered some email questions, and we've got we had two awesome live callers. So now I'm hoping to get some more live callers and some more live tweets to the Aquatic Wetline. So a great first half of the show, and now I hope to have a great second half to the show. And don't forget, you can call in live right now at one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two with any questions that you might have on the top of your head that you want to answer or ask any tropical fish questions that you might have. So one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. I have a feeling we're gonna get some more callers, so let it be you. One three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. I'd love to have more callers. You can never have too many callers on a question and answer show that airs live. And of course if you can't call in just go ahead and simply tweet your questions to at Alex Cardinelli one and capital A and capital C. In the meantime, while we wait for some more questions uh, from callers or live tweets, I'm going to go ahead and um, talk about the top ten fish that are good for beginners and discuss what to do during a power outage, and we'll also discuss um, some more fish topics as well. And I've got a question right now from my Twitter account from my good friend Jeff again, and Jeff is asking, my dad wants to know, what is your favorite kind of angelfish? Great question. I love angelfish. I've always kept them in my fish-keeping experience and my fish-keeping hobby. I've always had angelfish. But if I had to say I had a favorite um, type of angelfish, I have two that I enjoy. The first one would be a koi angelfish, which is an albino angel with a black stripe and orange coloration all around the head. 
I really like the red koi angelfish. I personally think they look like a Cheeto. You know those little Cheeto chips? They're very nice looking. I like those uh, red koi angelfish. And I've got um, some pictures of my old red koi angelfish on my Facebook account. As a matter of fact, I bred red koi angelfish before. So I was uh, very excited about that. And red koi angelfish are very nice. And my second favorite kind of angelfish would be the wild-caught scalar angelfish from Peru. I've had the pleasure and experience of keeping wild-caught scalar angelfish. They were a very, very nice angelfish, and I recommend anyone interested in angelfish, you should make a plan for yourself to keep wild scalar angels. Scalar angels are a lot easier to deal with than autumn angels, and the wild-caught scalar angels are just as easy as the captive-bred tank-raised angelfish, and I've had no problems with quarantining them, and they did fantastic. So those were my two favorite kinds of angelfish, and if I can personally find a big enough angel to go with my Oscars, you could possibly see me keeping an angelfish again. So thank you, Jeff, for that great question, and thank you, Jeff Stad, for coming up with that great question. All right, now you guys can go ahead and come up with some more questions for me. You know the number and you know my Twitter account. I'm here waiting for you to ask the questions. All right, well, the one question before commercial break that really got me interested into talking about fish that are good for beginners was the question that was asked, what fish are not good for beginners? And I talked about the top four fish that are not good for beginners. Now, I'm going off of my old YouTube video that I did last year, and I want to talk about 10 fish that are perfect for beginners and are good for beginners. So here we go. Coming in at number 10 is goldfish. Goldfish are obviously the perfect fish for beginners. However, most people assume goldfish can be kept in a bowl. And the truth is, goldfish cannot be kept in a bowl. Goldfish require a live fish tank with good filtration. Goldfish require a big aquarium because some of these goldfish get big. And when I say a live aquarium, they need filtration. They need that beneficial bacteria. So a goldfish cannot live in a ball. However, if a beginner sets up a 55-gallon aquarium and sticks with the fancier types of goldfish, such as the uh, or- orandos, the um, orange cap goldfish, the black moors, and those fancier type of goldfish, you should have no problem keeping goldfish as a beginner because they are very hardy. Now, if a beginner gets a 75-gallon up to a 230-gallon, they can have comet goldfish, and we all know comet goldfish can get up to 12 inches long, and they are a lot of waste producers. They create a lot of waste. All right. 
The next best fish for beginners, number nine, is Moe's Tetras. A lot of these Tetra species are very easy to keep, and I personally think they are good for beginners. Some good Tetra species for beginners include Blasker Tetra, Serpe Tetra, um, let's see here, Diamond Tetra, um, a lot of Tetras are good for beginners. Blasker Tetras, Serpe Tetras, Diamond Tetras, X-Ray Tetras, Pristilla Tetras, um, Albinal Skirt Tetras. Basically, a lot of Tetras are good for beginners. Um, if I were a beginner, I would advise you to stick away from Neon Tetras. Stay away from Neon Tetras if you're a beginner because they are kind of not really sensitive, but they will not survive in um, anything less than perfect water conditions. So I would not advise Neon Tetras, but most Tetras are good for beginners. Number eight is Rasboras. These guys are very simple to take care of and they're good for beginners. Number seven would be Live Bearers. Yes, Live Bearers are good for beginners, whether it be guppies, platies, mollies, or sword tails. Live Bearers are fun for beginners. They're a fun fish for beginners because Live Bearers will keep producing fish, they'll keep breeding, and they'll insert the confidence into their fish keeper who's just starting out into the hobby. And once a guppy or a platy or a sword tail keeps on breeding, it ain't going to stop. It's always going to be horny. It's always going to have babies. It's going to grow confidence in the beginner fish keeper. Okay, so number six, good beginner fish is freshwater angelfish. Now, as I said, in my growing and raising baby fish episode this past Wednesday, um, baby angelfish are quite quite sensitive, but once they reach the half-dollar size, they become very hardy, and it's at the half-dollar size to the larger-sized angels that I think angelfish could be kept by beginners, as long as the beginners do frequent water changes and they keep their pH neutral and their tank very, very warm because angelfish prefer warm waters, at least 78 degrees Fahrenheit to 84 degrees Fahrenheit, angelfish can be kept by beginners. All right, coming in at number five is a catfish species that I am very familiar with, thanks to Aquatic Wetlines exclusive Corridors breeder, Lynn Matney, and that would be Corridors Catfish. These guys are very hardy and can survive almost anything and are the perfect little miniature catfish for beginners. They don't grow that big like some of those catfish species out there, and I personally think Corridors are amazing catfish, and and I think a lot of beginners would like them for those who are going with the community tank. And uh, the fourth best beginner fish for beginners would be crayfish. And thank you, uh, and you're welcome, James Jones, for that. Crayfish are the best beginner fish if you're into in, if beginners want to get into invertebrates. Crayfish are the best to go to because. A, they're, they're easy to take care of. B, they'll eat almost anything. And C, they're awesome and easy to keep, and your kids will love them. So crayfish are easy to keep and can be kept by beginners. And again, Crayfish Man James Jones, you're welcome for the crayfish plug. 
All right, number three, most barbs, including tiger barbs, can be kept by beginners, but keep in mind some barbs are very nippy, so be careful when dealing with barbs, especially with tiger barbs. They're very, 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 very nippy, but sometimes when kept in a large group, their nip tendency tends to go away. Number two for best beginner fish would be dinios. They're very simple, they're very cheap, and they're very easy to keep. And finally, my best beginner fish, if they were interested in going into aggressive fish, would be convict cichlids. These breed like light bearers as well, and they would always reproduce, fry, and um, teach a beginner how to breed fish. So those are my top ten good beginner fish that I think are good for beginners. All righty. Now, if you have fish that you think are good for beginners, you can go ahead and call in 1347-989-8142 or post it on my Twitter account at AliceCardinelli1. Now, before we get into the topic of that stuff, we're going to take our last commercial break. And the reason we're taking our last commercial break is we've got a fun part of the show coming up next. So coming up next on the Aquatic Wetline, the Aquatic Wetline gets social. We'll have a discussion on winter and what to do during a power outage. So we're going to be, we're going to be right back with more of the Aquatic Wetline and this Fish Keepers Q&A. Because coming up next, we've got a few more questions to answer, and these questions are from social media. And that's next here on the Aquatic Wetline. But for right now, we're going to hear our last commercial break, and you're going to hear some music for your listening pleasures. You're going to hear a song from Katy Perry, since she'll be performing at Super Bowl 49 halftime show tomorrow. All right, we're back with more after this quick word from the rest of our sponsors and the song by Katy Perry. Are you a fish keeper that has expertise in the aquarium hobby? Would you like to be interviewed on the Aquatic Wetline to discuss your favorite species of fish or share your aquarium hobby? We at the Aquatic Wetline are always looking for fun, exciting, and awesome guests. So if you're interested in speaking on fish or the aquarium hobby on the Aquatic Wetline, please contact Aqua Alex at AquaticWetline at Outlook.com. That's AquaticWetline at Outlook.com. Or you can contact Fishkeeper James Carnelli. His email is JimmySilverArrow at AOL.com. That's JimmySilverArrow at AOL.com. So, please contact AquaticWetline at Outlook.com or JimmySilverArrow at AOL.com if you're interested in being a guest on the Aquatic Wetline. Do you own a local fish store in your area? Do you own an online aquarium shop? Well, contact Aquatic Wetline at Outlook.com and get yourself a radio commercial advertising your business. The Aquatic Wetline is heard by over 200 people for each episode, so get your name out there. Please contact Aquatic Wetline at Outlook.com so we can advertise your business. We advertise fish stores, aquarium shops, YouTube channels, and anything in the freshwater and saltwater fish keeping hobby. So if you're interested in advertising your business, Please contact us, Aquatic Wetline at Outlook.com, 
and we will prepare you with an awesome commercial for this show. Aquatic Wetline is now on iTunes. You can download any of our archived episodes on iTunes. You can listen to any of our past episodes on your ride to work or your long ride on vacation. Simply go to the podcast section of iTunes and search for Aquatic Wetline to find us. Enjoy. Would you like to be a guest on the Fish Keepers United series? This series has become very successful after our first four episodes. I love interviewing fish keepers. So, if you're a fish keeper and you're interested in asking Aqua Alex questions, and you're interested in Aqua Alex asking you questions, Please contact Aqua Alex so you can be booked on the Fish Keepers United series. Contact Aqua Alex at AquaticWetline at Outlook.com. That's AquaticWetline at Outlook.com. Or you can message him on his personal Facebook account, Aqua Alex Cardinelli on Facebook. We look forward to seeing you on Fish Keepers United. Would you like your topical fish question answered live on our Fish Keepers United Question and Answer? Then send all of your tropical fish questions to AquaticWetline at Outlook.com. You can ask any freshwater or saltwater questions you have. We look forward to answering your questions. So submit them to AquaticWetline at Outlook.com. No question is too dumb. We'll answer them all. So send them in right now. Hey, listeners of the Aquatic Wetline, this here is Alex Cardinelli, and I'm inviting you to be a part of my talk show, The Alex Cardinelli Show. On The Alex Cardinelli Show, we talk about everything from current news, to sports, to current events, to dogs, to politics, to everything you can imagine. So come join us at The Alex Cardinelli Show. We are live Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, we are live Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, and we are live Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern. The Oscar Noise Show airs three days a week, Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday, with Friday being our current news episode, and Tuesday and Sunday will be our fun shows where we'll discuss anything and everything and have a fun guest on the show. 
So come check out the Alex Cardinelli Show on Blog Talk Radio, blogtalkradio.com forward slash crazy Alex Talk. Come on, come on, you know you want to be a part of this great talk show. So I'll see you at the Alex Cardinelli Show, blogtalkradio.com forward slash crazy Alex Talk.
back here live on the aquatic wetline, and we are doing our fish keepers question and answer for January of 2015. This is our first Q and A of 2015. Don't forget, you can call in right now one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two, or tweet any questions you have to my Twitter account, which is uh, at Aqua or excuse me, at Alice Cardinelli one and my username on Twitter is Aqua Alice Cardinelli. But to tweet to me, you must tweet to at Alice Cardinelli one All right, well, I've got a few more questions to answer from social media. So let's get to it. The aquatic wetline gets social right now. It's time to get social here on the Aquatic Wetlines Fish Keepers United. These following questions were taken from social media. They were taken from various Facebook fish groups. If they are here, then Aqua Alex is eager to share his thoughts and answers on the question. Alex will announce the name of the group so you can answer the question yourself. Let's get social now. comes from the Facebook fish group, Freshwater Fish, Shrimp, Snails, ETC. And it comes from a man named Steve Lance. Hey, guys, got a question. I was thinking about going down to the creek from my house and grabbing some rocks from it. What should I do before I put them in my fish tank? Well, Steve, the first thing I would do is put the rocks in a pot and boil the heck out of them. Fill the pot with water and boil them for about uh, 25 to 30 minutes. The reason you are boiling the rocks is you're killing all the living organisms that live in that rock. We don't know if the organisms in that rock can harm your fish. So, therefore, we have to boil the rocks. Then after you have boiled the rocks, drain the water out of the pot, add cold water to the rocks so you can cool them down so that when you put them in your fish tank, you don't burn your fish. And then after you have boiled them, you can place them in your fish tank and you're all set. That's what I do when I get rocks from either a creek or outside. I boil the heck out of them. Don't boil them too long or you can cause a fire. 25 to 30 minutes and don't let the water get to a rapid boil. If you see bubbles popping, um, then turn the heat down. You just want to like simmer the, the rocks. That's about it. So... Boil the rocks and get a little bacteria and crap off of them. So thank you for that great question. And that question was found on Freshwater Fish, Shrimp, Snails, ETC on Facebook. All right. The next question comes from the same Facebook group, Freshwater Fish, Shrimp, Snails, ETC. And that comes from Bobby Sue Chabot. I'm thinking about getting crayfish but worried it will attack my female bettas. What fish is safe with crayfish? And you're welcome, James Jones. Here's a crayfish question you would be um, familiar with. And um, hopefully James will 
respond to your question in that group. But from my personal experience and what I learned from James, and again, thank you, James, for teaching me about crayfish, is any fish that is fast-moving that the crayfish cannot get to. And I know James has had plenty of experience when keeping bettas and crayfish together. He told me he had uh, success keeping bettas and crayfish together, so I'm sure you could have success keeping bettas and crayfish together. And he suggested to me guppies, platies, mollies, and the fast-moving fish. So I would say the same thing. Any fast-moving fish would be great with crayfish. All right. Now, the next question comes from American Cichlids, the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is one of my favorite cichlids, or one of my favorite cichlid groups on Facebook. And this comes from a guy named, I hope I pronounced his name right, Copa Copa. And he wants to know, which food is best for an Oscar cichlid? Well, as I said earlier in the show, Oscars will pretty much eat anything. So I, I say a best food for an Oscar would be one that is rich in nutrients, nutrients, excuse me, and proteins. So I'd go for New Life Spectrum pellets, Hikari pellets, and um, Hikari cichlid sticks. Hikari cichlid bio gold is great. Uh, Market shrimp. Oscars will eat anything, so give them a lot of meaty foods because they love meat. All right, so those are all the questions for this month's Q&A for January that I got off of social media. Don't forget, you can call in live at 132, excuse me, call in live at 1347-989-8142. That's 1347-989-8142. And I'll do one more last call or commercial for this show because in a moment here, we're going to go into our final topic tonight. Do you want to ask a question live on the Facebook United question and answer? Do you want to pick Aqua Alex's brain with fresh water or salt water fish questions? Then call in with your questions. Alex would love to answer your call. So have questions on fresh water and salt water fish? Want to be a part of today's Q&A? Call 347-989-8142 dial 1. That's 347-989-8142-DIAL-1. Let your question be answered and let your voice be heard. 347-989-8142 right now. So you can go ahead and call in now if you will, if you wish, but we're going to move on down to our final topic, and that is to how to survive a power outage with your fish, and we're going to talk about safety for your fish during the winter. Now, I know Monday we're supposed to get some more snow here in Massachusetts. I'm not sure how much snow we're going to get. We're supposed to get a snowstorm, so there is potential for us to lose power. So what can we do for a power outage? A loss of electrical power could be a great source of inconvenience and trouble and always seems to occur at the worst possible time. And yes, this can be a dangerous situation for your fish. Some power outages will only last for an hour or so, while some could last for days. 
the power outages that only last for an hour or so are not so serious as those that may follow a tropical storm or other such, such disaster. It is in these times when the power may be out for a period of days or possibly weeks that you will be surely tested as a fish keeper. But with a few precautions, a bit of extra work, and a couple hardware tricks, even this problem can be safely overcome. Don't give up on your fish. When electrical power is shut off to an aquarium, there are two things that will inevitably occur to threaten the well-being of your fish. One, the loss of electrical, electrically powered filtration. Filtration that provides all important water movement to important life-giving oxygenation and provide an efficient means of removing biological waste, ammonia and nitrate produced by the fishes in the aquarium. Also, two, there will be no longer be a source of electrical heat to maintain the water at a steady, stable temperature. Prevention should be the first thing to consider to minimize the danger a power loss will pose to your fish. A good first step would be to limit the amount of fish stocked within a tank. An aquarium so stuffed with fish that power filtration is at its very limit in keeping up with oxygenation and safely removing the bio load from the water will not support the fish within it for very long when the electrical power fails. Oxygen levels will quickly drop due to fish respiration, and even worse, levels of toxic ammonia and nitrate will rise to dangerous, gill-burning, fish-killing levels in the water of an overstocked aquarium. The next step should be the purchase of battery-powered air pumps. Waiting to the last minute when a storm is imminent or the power has already failed is not a good time to purchase these pumps or the batteries that power them. A good basic rule of thumb is to provide a minimum of a single air pump with air stone for every two feet of tank length. A good cleaning water change conducted a day prior to an event where electric power loss seems imminent such as with the arrival of a tropical storm or other natural disaster is a very good idea. Doing this maintenance combined with no feeding of your fish a day prior will help to ensure a head start on good water quality in the days or possibly weeks to come with no electrical power. Battery-powered air pumps will ensure the water stays oxygenated inside an aquarium. This is good, but more oxygenation of the water will only solve part of the problem occurring with the loss of power filtration. Overcoming the waste load produced by the occupants within a tank is defined priority as well. This is where a sponge filter runoff of an air stone will definitely be a great service. But... A problem faced by most fish keepers today, however, lies in the use of these sponge filters, as most modern aquariums just don't use this sort of filtration anymore, or do they? But sponge filters are very incredibly 
powerful when using power outages. Now, when the power does go off, and it seems likely that it will be for a longer duration than a few hours, then you must rig the aquarium for operation without power filtration. Remove the glass tops. Doing this will ensure proper aeration of the tank and the water within the, t within the tank for the fish and enable easier access to the interior of the tank for performance of shrink cleanings or adjustments to improve filtration equipment. Unplug all electrical equipment connected to the aquarium. Periodic fits and starts of the electrical power to the aquarium will merely ensure the destruction of unprimed power filtration or dangerous variations in temperature within. Rig up your improvised battery-powered sponge filters and get those things running. Placing the top of the plastic tubes no more than an inch or so from the surface of the water will de decrease water pressure on the airstone and ensure vigorous bubbling and water current through the sponge filter. The colony of beneficial filtration bacteria may be low in numbers potentially in these sponges, but will grow out at a fast rate. The sooner they are started, the better they will work, and the faster the tank will be replenished with oxygen. Open up all of your canister filters to expose the water and media inside to at least a bit of air and oxygen. Carefully rinse out the canister media in dechlorinated water, then return to the open canister media container. This will prevent the die-off of all the beneficial bacteria colonized uh, the canister media and will help to establish biological filtration much faster in the aquarium once the electrical power returns. All right, the last part will be ensuring the water temperature remains stable and does not go too high or too low. In the, if in the summer, the windows of the house must be open to permit a bit of cooling breeze to ensure the water within the tank does not become too warm. If in the winter, it gets tougher. A kerosene burning heater will keep the air temperature within the house to a warm level. Keeping this kerosene space heater burning may be all you have available to keep the water warm enough for your tropical fish to survive. In the interim, heating water on a gas burning stove will provide a source of heat for the aquarium, but be careful. Heating the water directly like this is extremely dangerous as water may be heated too fast, causing a wide variation in temperature within the aquarium and a lot of killing stress on your fish. When power does return, be careful to heat the aquarium very slowly. All right, and that is what to do during a power outage. And we're going to do a whole entire show on what to do during a power outage sometime in the winter here on the aquatic wetline. And we've got one final question for this month, and again, this comes from my good friend, Jeff, and he asked, I heard people feed Oscar's dog food. Is that a myth? As far as I, t I can know, as far as I can tell, people do feed their Oscar's dog food. Now, I'm not sure if that is beneficial to the Oscar or not, or if it's just a waste of dog food, or if it's good for the Oscars, but yes, I have heard of people feeding their Oscars dog food. Um, I can't say if I would uh, recommend it or not, because I don't know if it's beneficial or not, but I would say um, 
people have done it before, so I really don't know uh, if it's good for the Oscar or not, but people have been feeding their Oscars dog food. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode of Fish Keepers Q&A. I certainly enjoyed it. I want to say thank you to my good friend, Jeff, for calling in and providing those awesome questions on Twitter. And I'd like to say thank you to the Angry Fish Man for calling in. Stay angry, my friend. Stay angry, my friend. All right, so before we end the show, I've got a couple of announcements that I would like to make. Our next show is going to be live this Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, Thursday, February 5th, 2015, 8 p.m. Eastern. I debut a new series here on the Aquatic Wetline, and this is for all you Oscar cichlid fish heads out there, like Jeff, like Angry Fishman, and myself. Oscar Cichlid Keepers Hour debuts here on Thursday, February 5th, at 8 p.m. Eastern, and I'll start with the introduction to Oscars. I'll break down the Oscar species and everything you need to know about Oscars. So if you're into Oscars, join me this Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, and that'll be the next episode of the Aquatic Wetline. And we've got a surprise reunion coming up on February 11th at 8 p.m. Eastern. That's right, our first guest of February. It's going to be February 11th, and it's going to be a surprise reunion. I am reuniting with someone. Who is it? Why? And what will you bring into the aquatic rut line? We'll find out on Wednesday, February 11th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Now, the next Q&A is going to be taking place on February 26th. 2014, oh, excuse me, it's 2015, Alex. So the next Q&A will be taking place February 26, 2015, at 8 p.m. Eastern. Mark your calendars. The next Q&A will be February 26, 2015, 8 p.m. Eastern. Start sending in your questions today. February 26th, Q&A time. Email your questions right now to aquaticwetline at outlook.com. February 26th will be our February edition of Fish Keepers Q&A. And I announced this on our show this past Wednesday. We're going to be coming up soon to our 150th episode. I've got some prizes for that show and more, and I can't wait for our 150th episode. And my final announcement, which is not related to the Aquatic Wetline, but hey, since it's a Super Bowl, I'm going to say it anyways. Go Patriots! Tomorrow is the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 49, live tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Let's go Patriots! Yes, yes, yes. And speaking about Super Bowl 49, my other show here on Blog Talk Radio will be doing a Super Bowl 49 halftime show live at halftime. So join the Alice Cardinelli Show for a Super Bowl 49 halftime show live tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern. BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash Crazy Alex Talks. BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash Crazy Alex Talks. And you can hear me and Jeff recap the first half of Super Bowl 49. All right. 
Thank you all for listening to this month's episode of Fish Keepers Q&A. I'm Oscar Alex, and I hope you guys enjoyed this great episode. Thank you, Jeff and Angry Fishman, for calling in, and thank you all for your great questions. Have a great rest of your Saturday. Oh, before I go, we've got a caller here. Um, hi, you're live on the Aquatic Vet Line. Thank you for calling in. Go Seahawks. <laughs> oh, I knew it was Jeff, and uh, Jeff's actually going to be on our uh, Super Bowl 49 halftime show live tomorrow on the Alex Carnelli Show. So, are you ready for our halftime show? Yeah, that was perfect timing. I shut my phone off to charge it. I, I was turning it on, trying as fast as I can. <laughs> I'm glad you called in because then I gave another yeah, point I, for my uh, Super Bowl 49 halftime show. Yeah, I knew what you were doing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm ready to have that great show. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. Okay, well, this was a great Q&A, and I'll let you finish your show now. All right, thank you, sir. I look forward to our uh, our Super Bowl 49 halftime show tomorrow. Yeah, me too, and you have a good night. You too. All right, so again, the final plug-in for that show, Super Bowl 49 halftime show tomorrow on the Alice Grinnelli Show, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Crazy Alex Talks, and it'll be on my Google Plus account, my Twitter account, and my Facebook account. All right. Thank you, Jeff, and Angry Fishman for calling in. Thank you for all those questions that were emailed to me, and I hope you guys enjoyed this month's um, Fish Keepers Q&A. We'll see you in February for our next uh, Q&A. All right. Oscar Alex, and I'm signing out with the Aquatic Wetline before I lose my breath. All right, good night, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Aquatic Frontline tonight. Thank you for listening to Aquatic Wetline, your one-stop podcast for everything aquarium. Aqua Alex wants to thank you for listening. Return next time for a fun-filled episode. Please check us out on iTunes. Leave a good review if you enjoyed it. And like our fan page on Facebook called Aquatic Wetline Podcast. And join our fan group called Aquatic Wetline Radio Fan Group on Facebook. Until next time, goodbye fish keepers, and hang on. <laughs>